Hello, and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my producer, Steph, and we are streaming live from the Moses Lake Professional Pharmacy Studio. We are on a Tuesday today to accommodate our guest schedule, and our guest is Dr. Vance Lassie. Is that correct? That's correct. All right. And he is going to share a great story with us um, of his weight loss story, his weight loss journey, and how it uh, changed his life and it changed his patients' lives. He is from Holton Direct Care, and he is going to be sharing a story. So, uh, Dr. Lassie, uh, welcome to our show. Thanks, man. It's good to be here. It's cool to be invited. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Well, I... I um, I really, really like to follow the journey of healthcare professionals that um, get healthy and lose weight. I think uh, it's very important for us as healthcare professionals to um, be healthy weight ourselves. I mean, we can't be preaching to people that they should be healthy if we're not necessarily. So congratulations on your journey. And tell me a little bit how it started. There must have been a reason that you did this. I don't know. I think I think it was mainly just it was like I was finally time I needed to get around to it type of thing. I've been I was so crazy busy over the last, um, you know, five or six years, I, I started my own practice and left the hospital where I used to work, where I was stressed out all the time and worked until midnight, 20, you know, every day of the week and all that kind of stuff on call every weekend, all that kind of stuff. And, uh, uh, I stress ate my, my way through the first nine years of my career, you know, and, okay. um, it, it, the stress was killing me and, and, you know, running my life and, and whatever my practice and all that you direct you've you've interviewed other direct primary care physicians you've probably heard the story of about burnout and 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 the way doctors found their way into direct primary primary care doctors found their way out of working for the system and uh you know the medical industrial complex if you will um so i got out started my own practice which itself was a stress but but once i was out i think i had a little more freedom and i was able to kind of be more let's say i guess I would say more contemplative about the idea of changing how I ate because before that I've always known what I needed to do. And I even counseled a lot of patients through successful weight loss, diabetes reversal, all of that. But that's why I was, while I was still pounding the carbs, you know? And so I, uh, I think, uh, finally I just, I, I can't explain it. It wasn't like it was one of those deals where one day I just, there was some kind of epiphany. I mean, I, I counsel patients with addiction problems all the time, you know, and uh, when they're pre-contemplative, you know, like a cigarette smoker that's not quite ready to quit, that kind of stuff. I, I, I plant seeds and I, I pour a little water on them every year, but you don't, you have to wait till they're contemplative till they take root. And, and uh, I don't know, at some point I went from being uh, pre-contemplative, which is that thing where you just eat all the time, you don't care that thing where you're eating cookies and you're looking at them and you're like, man, these dang things are killing me. And then you keep eating them. Right. But you're, the point is now you're contemplative. And, right. and one day, I don't know, man, I just, one day I flipped the switch. It, it was, I think it was a combination of, I have several patients who completely reversed their diabetes. Uh, my dad, who uh, I'm a lot like recently was diagnosed with diabetes. And um, I mean, I, I knew where this road was going. You know, I looked in the mirror at what I, the guy I saw didn't look like me at all. You know what I mean? And uh, it was one of those deals where like, I'm going to have to get around to this one of these days. And um, I think another thing that really helped me um, uh, was I changed my perspective and I stopped looking at it as uh, I don't have an, I have a problem with willpower and I'm, I'm weak or whatever. I don't have the self-discipline that that was the model I'd always used before. And, and many times I'd counsel my patients on that. Oh, you just need to eat less exercise, more that kind of stuff. Um, and obviously that didn't work. What worked for me 
was I had to come to the realization that my problem wasn't a lack of willpower uh, or self-discipline. Um, my problem was that I was an addict and the carbohydrates were, I was addicted to them and I was behaving in all ways the way an addict behaves. And once I realized I'm no better than any junkie, you know, on meth or some alcoholic who's throwing his life away drinking, I'm the same guy. I just have a more socially acceptable drug of choice. That's all it was. Once I made that leap and looked at this as a, I, I stopped looking at it as a diet lifestyle model and more of an addiction model. That was everything. Because I'm not a guy who doesn't have self-discipline. I mean, this clinic that, that I'm in right now, I just got done building with my with my bare hands. I mean, I spent a year and a half every night at work. I mean, I'd work all day long. And then I'd come to work and put on the overalls and put up sheetrock and, you know, sand and paint and pull wire for a year and a half. I mean, I, wow. when everybody else has hobbies and watches TV and does things like, I don't know, whatever regular people do. I was working <laughs> what, what, either my job at the clinic or I was at night building this 3,000 square foot clinic. I am not a guy who doesn't understand self-discipline. I'm not a guy who has a lack of, of, of that. But man, you put a bag of M&Ms in front of me, you put a package of Oreos in front of me, it is gone. I got to destroy it. No, there's no, there's no limit. I can't. It's literally, that's the difference. The dopamine gets hit, the, the carbs hit, and, and I had no control over it. Once I realized it wasn't, my weakness, it was the drug controlling me. And I'm like, I can't give it that, I can't give it that power, you know? And that's, that was really the main difference. And so one of the things I did was um, realize I'm not a guy who can eat carbs in moderation. I just can't. And it's not, it, it, it's not a value judgment of myself. I just, I don't physically have the ability. It's way, this is weird, but it's way easier for me to have, let's say, for instance, zero donuts than it is for me to have one. It just uh, is. If I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I could eat 12 Krispy Kreme donuts. Yeah, I really yeah, could. yeah. That's Wouldn't why even... we just don't buy that stuff. Cause if we bought that stuff, right. I would eat it all. Yeah. Yeah. I have to keep, I, I, I can actually, I can discipline myself to look at it. And, uh, I, I have this example I, I use with my patients all the time and we'll get to that. The patient part of this, that this isn't weirdly why I did it at all. I should have, I should have thought of that from day one is like, if I can be a good role model for my patients, maybe they'll follow me and I'll get better outcomes with my patients which is happening like crazy, but that was never my plan. I never thought of it. Well, I need to do it just, you know, so I'm, you know, walking the talk and all that. I never thought that I just did it. Cause I'm like, if I don't, I got to change lanes. Cause I know where this road is going type thing. And, and, right. um, anyways, um, when I, when I talk to patients about this all the time, I tell them like, uh, a couple times a month at our church, they'll have donuts on Sunday morning, you know, and I'll go in there and my kids will be just shoving donuts in their face. And I'll look at them and I'll be like, man, those look good. You're looking at it and you're tempted by the thing you're looking at, you know? But then I'm like, nah, that's poison. That's not something I can eat anymore. You know, and I also look at it uh, with regard to the my carb addiction. I, I went 45 years pounding the carbs and I'm here without severe disease. I mean, don't get me wrong. My, my blood work looked like crap, but I, I wasn't a diabetic yet. I didn't have, you know, toes falling off or none of that. I felt a little bit like a guy who went into the casino, was up $50,000, like, I'm getting away with it here. I'm beating the house. This is the time <laughs> right. to leave, right? I'm gonna leave while you're ahead, right? Get out. So, so I was like, um, leave when you're at the top of your game. So I'm like, okay, the first 45 years were my carb years. These are my no carb years. Get out. So, uh, so that donut, I'm looking at it. I'm like, I don't need that. It's poison. As soon as I turn my gaze, I'm not looking at that tempting food anymore. I'm talking to, you know, whatever, Steve over. Hey, what's up, Steve? I've completely forgotten about the donut, right? If I eat that one donut, I'm like, no, willpower, because one donut never killed anybody, right? It's the, the habit that's the problem. I take it with me. 
right? So now everywhere I go the rest of the morning, it's in here going, oh, 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 I felt good. Do that again. Do that again. Do that. And now you can't focus on nothing until you just keep feeding that monster. And that's, it's an addiction, man. I'm telling you, that is the difference between success and failure. Because it's not like I hadn't tried to, you know, eat differently my whole career. I've been coaching people on, on, on healthy lifestyles while I wasn't doing it. And it was even a joke. Like I was this jolly, my wife and my nurse were looking at pictures because you asked for before and after pictures the other day and we were sorting through some old pictures and they were looking at some of them. They're like, here's one where, you know, they called it, you look jolly or whatever. And I'm like, that's just a nice way of saying morbidly obese. <laughs> but, the, but the joke was like the jolly doctor and people seriously, patients would bring me cookies. They'd bring me cinnamon rolls all the time. And, and if I was a raging alcoholic, they wouldn't bring me a, a bottle of whiskey, but you know what I mean? It's a socially acceptable drug addiction and people would bring. And so what I would tell patients all the time is I'd say, um, uh, some joke I heard a long time ago, I told people like, well, you should take my advice because I'm not using it. <laughs> you know, that was, that was kind of my mantra and don't get me wrong. A lot of people did it. And a couple of the, uh, both of them were guys who, uh, came in with diabetes and all kinds of problems who I counseled through this. I mean, I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't hardly believe their transformation. I knew it would work, but I've just never seen anybody pull it off. And uh, man, they, they really did it. So I'm like, okay, I, you know, I've got to do this too at some point. But it, I don't know. I can't tell you exactly what all went into it and when, when it clicked. I think the biggest part was looking in, looking at this as the carbohydrate addiction model. That that made the biggest difference. I don't, I don't think it hurt that I pulled the trigger on this uh, decision right at the beginning of COVID. So, oh um, wow, okay, yeah. So I, I don't. I don't know that that, I don't remember if I consciously thought about that, but I know, I mean, from early on, I mean, of course, this isn't the the, the politically correct narrative uh, that, hey, everybody, if you want to uh, not have a pandemic affect you, just get healthy because this pandemic mostly negatively, right. uh, particularly when it comes to mortality and hospitalization affects those that are unhealthy. So the older folks and folks with diabetes and obesity and all that kind of stuff. That, that never really made it into the mainstream narrative. Instead, it was all this unproven stuff like, oh, mask up and stand you know, stand on the other side of a three foot piece of plexiglass and everything will be okay. Like that's <laughs> right. ridiculous. There's no science behind that at all. But we know dang good and well with COVID, for instance, that healthier, lower weight patients without metabolic syndrome just get a cold most of the time. Of course, there's exceptions, but the bad mortality is in the sicker people. And I think I was aware of that. I and mean, we knew that before it even really got here. We saw that from China. And I think that probably played into it a little bit. And I did. I lost all my weight right at the beginning of COVID. And, um, I did get it in November of 20 and, um, it was a cold man. I had, I had like a sore throat for two and a half days, lost my sense of taste for about five days. That was it. It was, I've had colds that were 10 times worse. And I'm like, man, if I was still, I was up to 320. I'm like, if I was still 320 and my, my insulin was 14 and now my insulin is two. I mean, I bet you I would have been one sick puppy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It would be interesting to know. I mean, um, you know, because you see most of the people that get sick, I mean, there, there, there are outliers for sure, but most people that get sick do have some kind of underlying metabolic disease. Mm -hmm. So, absolutely. I mean, there's exceptions. I've seen the exceptions, but, yep. it's, but honestly, I, one of my nurses spent a full, full year on the COVID floor, uh, in a big city, um, day in and day out for a year. And, um, Shortly after she had that job is when I hired her and I asked her about her experience working with nothing but COVID patients for a year. And I just said, you know, tell me about the trends. What are you seeing? Because where, where I'm at, we, I, you know, I made it through the whole year without having to hospitalize anybody. Um, I think part of that's because we do some early treatment stuff, but, but whatever. Anyway, uh, 
she said, oh, almost everybody that's hospitalized uh, has diabetes. Almost all of them are overweight uh, or some combination of um, metabolic syndrome and obesity or age or all that combined. She said with almost like almost no exceptions. And I, didn't, I wasn't really surprised by that. But again, that doesn't make it into the mainstream narrative because then you're victim shaming and victim blaming or whatever it's called. And you're like, oh, this wouldn't happen if you weren't fat. And oh, it's, I'm calling you a name. No, it's facts. That doesn't, I'm not making any judgment call. So I think that's part of why. I think that maybe made it a little bit of, I don't think it was any one thing. It wasn't like, you know, whatever. My little girl looked up at me and said, daddy, I want you to be at my wedding or something like that. It was just, <laughs> it was just, it was a little bit of all those things. And I think really yeah. more than anything, I've seen this with my smokers that I helped get off the cigarettes. Like a lot of them, I'm just like, I just, you plant the seeds, you just pat them on the back. You can do it. One of these days when you're ready, let me know. I'll help you. It's the best thing you can do for your health. And you just be patient. And I've had guys I would have sworn would never have gotten off cigarettes. We're talking the grizzly old two pack a day smokers who you, most doctors just write it off. Like, come on. Right. It says right on the box, like causes tumors, kills you, has yeah, right. and crossbones <laughs> and they still smoke. You're like, they're not going to quit. I, I always believe that, you know, and you'd be surprised how many of those people over time, it, they just sort of, I, the way I always say is they just have to kind of get there. You just have to get yeah. there when it comes to beating addiction. Yeah. Um, and yeah, uh, March of 2019 uh, or March of 2020, sorry. So but a year and a half ago now. I got there and it just one day it was nothing special. I just came home and told my wife, that's it. I'm done. I'm not eating carbs anymore. She's like, okay. And she's been very helpful after my success began. And she started seeing the weight loss. She actually jumped on board with the way I eat. And awesome. uh, she's having a lot of benefit from it too. Ch changing your family. That's good. So yeah. tell us a little bit, we'll put those pictures up later, but tell us a little bit about yeah. the picture. You've got a picture with, and I, and I, when I first saw the picture, I said, well, either you're like, gigantically tall or that gal is really, really short or both. Right, right, right. So tell us about the before and after picture and introduce the, the doctor that you're with also. So that's Amy Walsh. She is a rock star DPC doc and a very good friend of mine, one of my closest friends. She's a direct primary care physician in Raleigh, North Carolina. And that picture was taken a couple of years, two or three years ago at a uh, conference in Orlando. And uh, as you can see, I've even got my extra gluten shirt on that my sister bought me. My sister's super healthy and she just mocks my, my obesity all the time. Uh, but, but, uh, I give her a hard time because she, she had a really bad experience with COVID and I did, I'm like, well, I guess I'm healthier than you. But anyways, uh, she bought me that shirt and, uh, Amy in this picture. So you're, you're right on both counts. I'm big and Amy's little, so I'm six foot seven. Wow. And the time this picture was taken, I was about three twenty, I think. And, you know, Amy was a division one, uh, college athlete. She was a, a gymnast at the university of Michigan. Fitting. And so, you know, I don't know how big Amy is. I've never asked her, but she's what, you know, five foot, I, you know, I, if she's nothing. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> a, bu a buck five on the high end. I don't know. You know, so, so she, and, and Amy hasn't changed ever. This is always, you know, uh, what she's looked like. So that was a, I think that's a fun before picture just because I was visiting Raleigh a, about a year ago or something like that from the time. So in this new picture here, it probably took me about a year to lose that much weight, but this picture was taken maybe three years later. I would oh, say I see. Okay. two, two or two or three years later, I would say. So you went from three twenty to three twenty, And now I have been hanging out in the two thirties for the last several months. I can't seem to break two thirty four, but I, I would, if I got back on my bike, but that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother story. I'm yeah. building another building and I haven't had time to, to exercise much, but yeah, that's, that's, that's her. She hasn't changed. You know, she has, like I said, I don't think she's changed since she was 19 or whatever, but, 
Um, that was the the picture we took whenever I was visiting her clinic uh, a while back. So that's quite you're a welcome for the free free advertising there, Amy. <laughs> you ever watch? What, so, what clinic? What clinic does Amy have in North it's called, Carolina? It's called Doctor Direct. It's in Raleigh, North Carolina. Doctor Direct uh, in Raleigh. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah, she's she's a rock star. She's awesome. All right. So now tell us. So obviously this changed your life and. Um, tell us how it changed, affect your patients' lives. Um, well, I think the main thing, and I actually have a friend who's, who's kind of a low carb keto guru who's recently retired. He's a, he's board certified in preventive medicine. And he, he had talked to me about this. And that was one of the things he said was, you know, you ought to do this because, uh, you know, you'll get a lot of your patients to, to be more compliant with, uh, lifestyle recommendations you're making. And I actually blew them off. I was like, nah, they know, they know that I'm giving them good advice just because I don't do it. I mean, if I told them not to smoke and I like, seriously, think about it from a, from a logical perspective, the, what I look like and what comes out of my mouth aren't the same. I, I mean, I aren't related. I mean, they, they shouldn't be from a pure, no human, like Spock, like logic. If I say you should lose weight or you should eat differently or you should do this healthy thing that's a true statement. And it doesn't matter if I weigh 500 pounds or 100 pounds or right. if I smoke or if I don't smoke, that's still good. That's still good advice regardless. Right. But we're not Spock. We're humans. And we, we bring all this rationalization into everything we do. And it's like, well, if the doctor didn't eat that way, then you know how good it must not be that important. Or it's easy for him to say that you can any number of, of rational excuses that they can make. Uh, and, and that's what was happening uh, quite, quite often. And so as soon as I did this without any intention, uh, towards that end, I had a lot of patients coming in and, and I had five, had so far five patients. Cause you know, the other thing is this happened during COVID. So a lot of people weren't really getting out and I wouldn't right. see people as often as I needed to in some cases, which is a downside of COVID actually. Um, and they were asking me stuff like I had five patients ask me if I have cancer because I lost so much weight. I lost so much weight so fast. I was like, I don't have cancer. I just changed how I eat, you know, and, and I wasn't exercising either. I did this all through diet. You know, I was working, I was very active. I was building a new clinic, but I wasn't, I wasn't exercising. And, uh, and, uh, so a lot of people, they noticed, and a lot of people just started coming and asking me, all right, how are you doing this? Cause I want to do it too. And even people that didn't really need to lose a tremendous amount of weight. I've had a few people who just, you know, they just needed, they maybe lost 10 or 15 or 20, just whatever, all they had to lose. But man, we're seeing the turnaround just in their blood work, you know, across the board. So, uh, yeah, it has been really, it's helped my, my, my clinic, it's helped my patient's health and it's helped motivate them. And in a weird way, if you think about it, it actually makes my job easier because the healthier folks get, you know, the less work I have to do. Right. And so I can't complain about that part of it either. Well, speaking of, you know, walking the walk and not, and talking the talk, um, or not necessarily, um, you know, I use this analogy uh, and I wrote a book about this, about, you know, healthcare professionals being healthy. And uh, the book mm -hmm. is called Sickened, How the Government Ruined mm -hmm. Healthcare and How to yep. Fix It. And in a lot of ways, Dr. Lassie, you know, a lot of doctors in an, especially in a non-direct primary care model, they don't have to be healthy themselves. Um, you're in a little bit different situation because for one thing, people choose to go to you. They're not told to go to you by an insurance company right. because Absolutely. you're a network physician. Yep. They've got to choose to go to you. So um, the other, in, in the traditional healthcare, the doctors don't have to walk the walk, talk the talk because they're, they are essentially in a monopoly where the patients are told where they have to go. Yep. So I use the analogy like this. 
If I was going to, in my book, Sickened, How the Government Ruined Healthcare and How to Fix It, I use the analogy like this. Um, usually, we, if we have a choice of a dentist that we're going to go to, uh, would we pick a dentist with crooked and yellow teeth? Uh, the answer is no. I mean, would, would, would somebody really pick a dentist that had crooked and yellow teeth? Probably not. I mean, theoretically, like they say, you should never, you know, go to a skinny chef or something. I, I mean, <laughs> right. it's it again. If a dentist is really good at fixing teeth and his all of his patients have the most immaculate teeth you've ever seen, it really shouldn't matter what his teeth look like because it's his product that matters. But that that's not how humans think. It doesn't. We we got to right. go with we go with more than just what's on the surface of of logic and. And there's something to be said for it. There, I mean, there's no question about it. But I mean, uh, th it goes beyond just uh, doctors don't have to be healthy. I call it on the inside and the outside. So if you hear me use those terms on the inside, it's prison terminology on purpose. But like if you're on the inside of the medical industrial complex, it's more than just you don't have to be healthy because uh, patients don't have really a choice. They've got to go to whoever they get assigned to or whatever is depending on where they live and what their insurance is, whatever. But um, there's more than that. You also don't have to do a good job. No, no. because the patient is not paying you there's no incentive there's no aligned incentives for for physician performance or patient uh compliance for that matter because n neither of you really have any skin in the game so where's your doctor's where's your doctor's attention well what um, one of my partner one of my colleagues uh direct primary care physician another brilliant doctor over in overland park kansas her name is kylie vanneman she has this thing she says all the time i don't know if she came up with it or she heard it somewhere else but it's brilliant and she says you know you work for who pays you which totally makes sense. That's as logical of a statement as I've heard, right? Well, if you're a doctor on the inside, who pays you? Some some third party, whether yep. it's the government and it's Medicare or Medicaid or whether it's a, a big corporate you know, conglomerate that makes money based on the sicker you are, the more money they make. None of them, none of them have an interest in you being healthy to start with. And second of all, they're the ones paying the doctor. So who does the doctor have to pay attention to? The person who's paying them. So the doctor's attention is focused on the payer and what do I got to do to make the Medicare, you know, pencil pusher happy? What do I got to do to make the corporate insurance shill happy? I got to fill this form out and dot this T and cross this I and play this game. I'm focused on chart care and just how to like massage the paperwork right so that, that I get paid. I don't have any interest. I mean, I want to have interest in the page. That's why the doctors with his soul got the hell out because we're like, we can't, we're working for the wrong master here. Our masters, our patients, we're, we're called to serve them. And when we're working on the inside, we're just serving the insurance companies and the government, and we can't focus on on what's ma Meanwhile, on the patient side of things, they want you to look at them, but you're looking at the at the at the uh, the payer, and you have no alignment on them. But then also, they're not paying you. Their money is coming out of their their check, whatever, going to the insurance company, and being most of it's being stolen, and then part of it comes to me eventually. Right. They don't have any skin in the game either. They do, but they don't realize it because it doesn't feel like it. They're not paying out of their pocket. It's coming out of their paycheck before they ever see it, so it doesn't feel the same. And you have an, what we call a malalignment of incentives. In direct primary care, our incentives are aligned. So if I don't do a good job, guess what? My patients stop paying me, and I don't feed my children. So I have to serve my patients, or they're going to stop giving me money. Like Bingo. this isn't this is not a for, this is not a foreign concept in any other part of um, the American economy. Like if if I go get a whatever a burger from I don't know whatever McDonald's and right across the street, there's a Burger King and one of them sells cold, like congealed, greasy slabs of disgustingness. And the other one has a hot, juicy burger and they're the same price. Which one am I going to? It's just common right. sense. Yeah. Free market. Yeah. Free market. And that's what my book talks about is it, it needs to, 
we need to have free market medicine and traditional medicine is not a free market. And like you say, the doctors have no incentives, the patients have no incentive. And in a free market, think about in a free market, what really would happen is that um, quality goes up, price goes down and service goes up. Yep. Period. And, and I don't too. care. And what? Access. Access. On the, right. on the inside, a lot of times it would take patients weeks and weeks to see me and then yep. they couldn't get an appointment. They ended up seeing somebody else, some mid-level that they, the hospital hired that didn't know them, all that. So continuity suffers across the board. It's quality, access, and cost and value, all of it. It's amazing. It's amazing. It, it's like no other industry. It, you know, they always say in in most industries, I can give you two of the three, quality, price, and service. I can give you two of, the, yep. two of those three. Pick two. Yeah. In, in healthcare, it's all three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you go to a free marketplace like yourself in direct primary care, you get all three of those benefits. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And we need to get the word out. We need to educate people and we need to really educate them how affordable it is and what a ripoff that traditional health insurance medicine is. Mm-hmm. Um, you are much le- It's much less expensive to go to somebody like you than it is to go to a traditional doctor. It might be covered, but you pay a hundred dollar copay instead of paying you a monthly fee. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah my patients in the end, they, they usually save 50 to 60% a year, or in some cases, a lot more than that on their healthcare coming here. And, and they that, still have some kind of insurance, usually something catastrophic or whatever. Right. Of course. And, and that doesn't even include, you know, the time that you would have dealing with the other mess because mm-hmm. you, you provide so many conveniences that, you know, instead of a, you know, eight hour wait in a, in a, an urgent care, um, you get them in and out in 20 minutes. And I'm sure you have many stories like that. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. So talk about your journey. So you're not eating carbs. So are you truly keto? Right. Are you in ketosis? Most of the time I don't, are you? I, I, here's the, one of the reasons there's a lot of reasons. I, I mean, I did ketosis. The biggest reason is just because everything else I ever tried failed. I did the same thing. I counseled my patients on, we all did. And we have no med, you know, no nutritional training in med school. And we're just taught that calories, a calories, a calorie, and just tell everybody, just eat less exercise more. You'll be fine. But then when we do it, it doesn't work. And, um, as a matter of fact, uh, can I share my screen again? Please, please check, do. check this out. Um, if we go over to uh, this picture, this is me uh, riding my bicycle. I rode my bike across the state of Kansas. Woohoo! Congratulations! And yeah, but I was still, I, I was still huge. This is my dad on the left in the yellow. I'm in the gray there. And you see what I'm powering my ride with there in my right hand. You see the chocolate chip cookie. Someone's got a bucket of cookies stuck yeah. out there. Like th- this, this picture really shows what I'm talking about. I mean, I rode my bike, however many hundred miles that is, and I lost one pound. And I rode my bike across. Kansas is a huge place. And you cannot, you know, you can't exercise off uh, this weight. Check this out. Here's my bicycle. I had to have this, I had to have this tire built, custom built for my, this wheel for my back tire because uh, I had tacoed two other rear wheels uh, under my weight. And uh, that one there, the guy told me if I bent that one, uh, he'd he'd, uh, personally, like, I don't remember, he made some funny joke, like he'd buy me a motorcycle or something. <laughs> but um, I think I had to spend $800 on that wheel. It's, it's custom made um, to hold my weight because I kept bending my rear wheel all the time. And um, uh, the, the point there being that uh, you just can't, you can't lose it uh, through exercise and you can't you do it through. Um, right. You can't eat your way out of the, yeah. did those, you can't did those, exercise- pictures, those pictures came up, right? You were no, they, they didn't. Oh, so they didn't. Did I'm sorry. Share? Sorry, no. sorry, sorry, sorry. Hang yeah, on. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. Here's the picture of my dad and I. 
doing the bike across Kansas. So perfect. You can see that I'm chowing down on cookies and uh, riding hundreds of miles on a bicycle, burning ridiculous calories and losing no weight. Right, fueled by cookies, as as you can see in my right hand. You and can't then, exercise your way out of a bad diet. You can't, you can't. do it. You, you can't do it. do it. And then, and here's the. It has like I don't even know sixty spokes or some crazy thing. That's the wheel I had to have built just so that I could do it. Wow, so, that's a beefy wheel. <laughs> it is. It's crazy. <laughs> it is really strong. So, um, okay. Um, so how did I choose keto? One was because nothing else had worked. Uh, and to be honest with you, the other one is because it's easy and, and I'm super busy. I mean, every minute is accounted for and I'm my number one, I mean, through number 100 uh, commodities are all time. Everything else is under that. Time is my number one commodity. Mm -hmm. And when I did calorie counting and calorie restrictive diets where I was using an app to write down everything I eat, doing like, okay, I can only eat so many calories per day and all that kind of stuff. I did that for like six months once, several years ago. And I lost like maybe 30, 35 pounds. I'm not going to say it was a failure, but I mean, I had, you know, whatever, 90 to lose or something. And I lost 35 and ultimately failed. And I could go into why that failed in, in other detail. But the bottom line is I didn't have time. I was spending a half an hour a day on the stupid app like putting in every stupid ketchup packet. Here's another thing. Apps like that are, uh, may, are way easier to use if you're eating processed foods because you can just like scan the box. Because you scan it, right, yeah, exactly. You scan the box, right. put it in. Like I had one of those done, you know, move on. And uh, you're, you're actually in a weird way punished for eating unhealthy food, uh, even though you're eating a calorie-restricted diet. And, and even then, you're not. it's modest benefit and usually it's failure. Um, I needed a diet where I could just sort of set it and forget it. I didn't want to be checking things. So with ketosis, for instance, people who really get into this, my patients even who get into this, man, they have keto monitors, either the ones they wear, the ones they do, the, the blood finger stick keto deals. Uh, they, a lot of them wear continuous glucose monitors, which I'm probably going to start experimenting with one of these days if I ever get the time. Um, I just wanted something easy. So for the first couple of weeks, I got the little ketone sticks you pee on to see if you're in ketosis. Mm -hmm. And I was, it wasn't hard. I'm like, well, Bottom line is you don't eat carbs, you can be in ketosis. You don't even have to make it complicated. You don't have to sit there and prove it to yourself. And those sticks aren't perfect. They only check for a couple of kinds of ketones anyway. I, I did it a, a few times. I mean, seriously, I think I went, I maybe used three sticks over the course of a couple of weeks. I'm like, yeah, they turn purple. I'm in ketosis. Good enough. <laughs> right. And, and I'm like, beyond that, seriously, I'm, I don't, I mean, people don't get it. Like I'll get to work. I'm a miser, man. I won't make new coffee. If there's coffee in the pot from yesterday, I'm heating that coffee up, right? I mean, I, I mean, you should do that. Like, you're crazy. You don't do that. There's nothing wrong with that coffee. Anyways, I get to work. I, I throw a cup of coffee in the microwave from yesterday. One minute. Like, I am not standing there and looking at the microwave for a minute. I got things to do. Yeah. So I'll sit there and go to my office and, like, open up my email, get my computer turned on, whatever, do something. And then I go back down the hall to get my coffee because I can't even spare a minute. That's how people joke about it. Like, oh, come on, you know, you got to, you don't get it. Like when you're as busy and you're running a business and family and all the things, you know, every minute it counts. And so with my, my new lifestyle, that was a very relevant consideration. And with keto, you simply ask yourself a question. Does this food have carbs in it? If the answer is yes, don't eat that food. Like, it's <laughs> right. not hard. And you don't have to sit there and pee on a stick and make sure in your ketosis because if you're not eating, if you're not eating carbs, you are in ketosis. There's no way around that. I mean, I'm no expert and I'm also not a zealot on this. I'm not acting like it's best for everybody, but it definitely works for me. And to me, my understanding is if you're not eating carbs, it's you if, and you're not in ketosis that somehow both at the same time, you'll die because you need to get energy from somewhere. And ketosis is, you know, of course, fat boning, fat burning mode. And you're burning these ketone bodies. I don't understand how you have to make it a bigger problem than that. The problem comes if you want to be in ketosis, but you want to also have you know, some carbs and play around with this 20 
you know, 20 grams per day max and all that kind of stuff. I, and you're going to have your incidental carbs. So if I'm drinking my cup of coffee every morning and I put my tablespoon of heavy cream in it or whatever, it's delicious. Um, there's a gram right there. There's a gram of carbs in that cup of coffee. Okay, but that's an incidental, no big deal. But there's a gram here, a gram there. And even the little incidentals kind of start to add up. So I, I try to keep it under 10, just n no paper, no pencil, just like what have I eaten and had to drink today? And I try to keep it under 10, knowing that I'll probably go over 10, but at least that'll keep me from going over 20. And as long as I ask me that, myself that question, does this food have carbs in it? If the answer is yes, I don't need it. So like right. my housekeeper, my birthday was a couple of days ago. She gave me this this bit bag of of, uh, of beef jerky, right? Because she's like, she used to buy me M and M's all the time. I'm like, her name is Sun, and uh, she's awesome. She's from uh, South Korea. I'm like, Sun, mm -hmm. you have to stop buying the candy. I can't eat it anymore. I'm just giving it to my kids, and she's like, oh, I'm sorry, you know. And so she starts bringing me jerky. But if you read this particular, you know, sugar. Show, it, the first ingredient, second ingredient might be sugar. It. Yeah. Yeah. One serving of this stuff has like uh, six grams of carbs, and there are six servings in this one bag. Yep. 36 grams of carbs. That's a day and a half carbs. And it, supposedly it's meat. That's not meat. They're adding all kinds of, of, of you know, Dr. Sivas would say crystal meth to the bag, right? <laughs> so so, so uh, uh, I might eat one little piece of it or something like that. But in general, like if I'm doing jerky, I make my own. So I know what's in it, you know, or I buy it from someplace that I know is what's in it and they don't add crystal meth to it. Um, so yeah, if it has carbs in it, I just don't eat that thing done I, I it makes it so i don't have to think about it. i don't have to keep track of nothing i don't have to write nothing down and i can go about my day the other thing i do i'll be honest with you is i, I do do intermittent fasting most most days so i usually don't eat breakfast or lunch um and i just kind of but that's the beauty of keto when you're in ketosis you're not really hungry anyway so it's not a big deal right uh and i, I never would have believed it until i experienced it because i ate everything it was a joke like i said jo the jolly doctor and all that i i'm just not hungry and uh, i drink coffee with some heavy cream in it in the morning that kind of tides me over and then I'll usually like a beef stick, some cheese stick, maybe protein bar or something like that in all the afternoon. And then big keto meal at supper time, eat the fat first. So you get full quicker. That's all there is to it. I mean, yeah, I, I miss the, the junk food and the snack, but really it turned out to not, it's really not a big deal. And the results speak for themselves. I mean, I was losing four pounds a week, like clockwork for months, you know? And, um, yeah, that's how I've done it. And again, I'm not suggesting that everybody has to do ketosis. If you just go low carb, you'll make tremendous strides that the problem, like I told you before, is it's hard to be in my, in my experience, I think it's easier to be no carb or virtually no carb than it is to be low carb, because if you eat some carbs, it makes you more hungry. So, yeah. and, that, so and that's, and that's what I tell people too, is, is if, if you're just conscious of the carbs mm -hmm. you eat, just be conscious of it. You don't necessarily have to ever be in ketosis, but um, it, if you're conscious of the carbs you eat, then you'll stay away from a lot of processed foods. And, um, but yeah, you're right. Once you start I, eating some of them, it, it, it gives you that little trigger dopamine. That's the thing. It's the dopamine. I, I, I think I was conscious for a couple of years before I pulled the trigger on keto, on keto. I was conscious of the carbs I was eating, but I was unconscious of their, of the way they were controlling my behavior. Right. And, that, and I couldn't limit myself. Like I, I told myself I would, and I could, and then I never, I never did it. You rationalize every every bite. So I mean, I'm telling you, humans are good at it. We rationalize every bite. And until I just said, I have to have zero, it didn't, it never clicked. It never worked. Right. Um, uh, so I, I do think that there are patients who can do low carb without who basically, I guess, what the way I put it is, I think there are patients, um, even metabolic syndrome patients and diabetics to some degree. And there, this is the exception rather than the rule, but there are some out there who probably carbs probably aren't their bodies, their dopamine centers, drug of choice. I, I have a patient, she's a diabetic 
her A1Cs are pretty well controlled and she doesn't want to go keto and that's fine. And her A1Cs are pretty good and she does it with diet and minimal medication. And uh, at Christmas every year, she makes uh, cinnamon rolls and sells them by the pan to people. And I saw her for a checkup in November and I was like, how are you doing? I'm making cinnamon rolls this year. She said, yeah, I've already sold 27 pans, you know. And I, she always brings me a pan. They're like, it's like a small pan, like nine by nine. She, she didn't bring me one this year because she knows better. But yeah. she would always bring me this like nine by nine pan of uh, cinnamon rolls, which is, you know. Or, but I mean, uh, think is, about think about the carbs. Dude, that's carbs. nine cinnamon rolls. That's enough for my whole family. I have a family of four. We can have a couple, right? No, I would go home at five. Well, I would get off work, go home in the evening after work. And that pan is empty. Like right. no, none for the family. I knocked out nine cinnamon rolls that day. They are that good. And I'm a cinnamon roll connoisseur, like these wine snobs. They'll sit there, you know, and be like, mm, I, you know, detect a hint of oak or whatever <laughs> after birth, whatever they call it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm like that with cinnamon rolls. Like, I won't even, I will shun an inferior cinnamon roll and I would destroy the whole pan in one day. Yep. Tell me, I'm just going to have one. I'll save some for the family. Doesn't happen. I can I do talk it. To her, how, how are you? How are you doing? Have you, how many have you eaten? You made 27 pans. Well, I ate like one little corner, like a fourth of one cinnamon roll. That's it. I can't do that. No, me either. No way. No way. I mean, I can't even have them in my house. Right. And that's my point. She just, that's not her drug of choice. She'll right. tell you her drug of choice is bread. She'll eat a whole loaf of bread or she'll eat a whole loaf of, you know, sourdough or, or whatever, you know, cornbread or something like that. So everybody just has to recognize their thing. Right. I mean, it's no different than any other drug. I mean, you know, if, if, if you drink alcohol, you might drink one, one drink or one beer or something in person, and they have one and before you know it, they're passed out in the ditch right. I've had way right. too much and they can't have any that's the same it's the same thing yeah. so anyway that that's how i that's how i approach it and and uh it's you know it's it's been real easy i haven't had to do do uh can i, I don't keep track of anything and yeah. i think that's part of why it works because if i did i'd probably fail because i'm too busy to be writing stuff down and taking notes and doing math and macros and whatever I, yeah i'm not saying there's anything wrong with doing that in fact it's probably healthier than how i do it I just eat tons of bacon and call it good. <laughs> but yeah. I'll bet I, you I'm though. Arguing that what I'm doing is healthier. I'm not. If you can do the macros and do yeah. keto in a more controlled and it'd be better. I just don't have that kind of time. I'll bet you if you do track your macros though, I'll bet you your macros are pretty good. I bet your, you know, your carbs are probably less than 20%. Your fat's oh, yeah. probably about 70%, and then protein's about 20%. In or, my mind's in my mind's eye, I try to do something like 60 40 fat protein with just you know yeah 10 or less carbs or whatever it is right. uh but i don't keep track of it i just kind of in my mind's eye i'm just thinking about what am i eating and i want to make sure i'm getting some healthy fats in there nothing you know nothing that goes through a factory nothing processed all my oils are natural um but that's not hard to do either just cook with butter throw some olive oil some avocado oil into the mix every now and then made some coconut oil or whatever and uh and then I put butter on everything. I eat a lot of vegetables and I just douse. I'll take yeah. quarters. I cut off a quarter stick of, of butter. I have a little dish I keep in the fridge. Throw the quarter stick of butter in there, microwave it, just pour it on all my vegetables. And I eat that first. So it starts, you know, gets you starting feeling full right out of the gate. Yeah. I talk to my patients about that a lot. You know, my carb addicts who come in are trying to figure this out. And I just, I just do a thought experiment with them. I'm like, this is hypothetical, but just imagine if you ate a half a stick, stack of Girl Scout cookies, because I can't find anybody who's not addicted to thin mints. So I'm like, a half a stick of thin mint, half a stack, which is like five servings or whatever. Uh, how do you feel after that? I mean, let's be honest. Are you going to eat the rest of that, that tube? 
Yes, everybody does. No one <laughs> right. <makes> it. No <laughs> one. You might put it back in the freezer, but you're going to be hitting that freezer within the next 20 minutes for another one and another one, and you're going to be out very soon. That's just the way it works, right? They need to just re-put on the package number of servings, two. <laughs> yeah, right. Two tubes, two <laughs> servings. But, but you know, you're getting 400, cal- 400 calories out of, those, out of that, thin, the, the pack of thin, half a pack of thin mints, and you're hungry for more. You're going to eat yeah. more. And if you run out of thin mints, you'll eat something else because you are hungry. And I tell them, and they they all they all identify with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would I would do that. I get it. Those are really good. Some of them might choose a different a different flavor of cookie, but for the most part, everybody identifies with the fact that carbs make you hungry for more of them or something else. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, now in your mind's eye, we're gonna do 400 calories worth of butter, which turns out to be a half a stick of butter. I'm like, take it. I've got a stick of butter here. I break that in half, and I'm gonna hand that to you, and I'm gonna have you eat that like a Snickers bar. No, just just eat it. Just peel it. They're like, they're, good luck. Even, yeah, even people who love butter, they're they, they, you know, I'm like, no, 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 I know it's gross. You would never do that. But pretend like you. Ha- I told you this is your, this is your cure. You have to do it. And I'm like, okay, fine. So now, you know, I sit there, and I just, you know, and then I'm like wiping the melted butter. I'm like, ah, and the, all that oil, and you know, I'm like, okay. And then you're, you're licking the butter off your fingers when you're done. And I'm like, okay, you ate half a stick of butter. How do you feel? <laughs> you know, just in their mind, and they're like, e- even the fattest person is like. Not good. I'm like, do you feel like eating the other half of the stick now? Right. <laughs> and they're right. all like, no. Right. If I'm they like, could eat the whole thing. Right. I'm like, w- even if you could, would you eat the other half of the stick? And they're like, no. And I'm like, would you want to eat the rest of the day? Most of them are like, no, I feel kind of, right. I already know how I feel. I feel kind of bloated and gross. That's the difference between fat and carbs right there. You just, it fills you up. You're you not hungry. Do. It's the same. It's still 400 calories. That's why this myth that they've been teaching us in medical school forever, that a calorie is a calorie is a calorie is wrong. Yeah. It's wrong. For so. sure. So, well, I appreciate your time today and being on our yeah. show. And um, I just got a couple questions to ask you. Then I'll ask you how we can get a hold of you. Okay. Um, so, I think it's pretty obvious about what you've shared today. But what do you have a passion for? What drives you? Oh uh, man, I have a lot of passion. I have passion for everything. I mean, I, I, more than anything, I, I just have a calling to serve others. Uh, I'm a Christian, and I, I take the I take the uh, calling to treat others the way I want to be treated uh, very seriously and uh, am I perfect no am I always a wonderful person no obviously we're all screwed up but I I really try to serve others and I really want to um, to help other people and 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 I mean like yeah I see this newspaper article back here they wrote that about me when I was in residency I've had that that mantra patients first my, my whole life mm-hmm. like that that comes first and profits and money all the other stuff comes second um i wish um i wish more of us were like that but i I, that doing it right is what's important and and taking care of people um it it drives me i guess i I don't know i I do i am driven i can't sort of stop and i go 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 i'm always on on the move and and uh i'm very opinionated and passionate about good (laughs) i love it i love it we get along well but but they do change. I mean, I, you know, I'm really, like I said, I used to give very bad nutrition advice and I've changed how I do it and I'm learning more all the time. Uh, um, I don't know. That's, I've never been asked that, but I, I think really it's just, uh, I want to, I want to, uh, I don't know, man, I, I want to, uh, I want people to see what, see that light, right. I want them to see, wonder what I've got. What is it that makes me this way? And that's one of the reasons I'm in direct care because I was just, you're, you're, passion your gets crushed inside yeah. the system it just soaks your soul dry and you're just never home and you never see your family and your kids and the job i've said this a million times the job changes you on the inside 
And I used to tell myself in residency, I would see doctors who at once, <laughs> once upon a time were nice human beings. And now they're jerks, you know, total yeah. DBs. And I was like, I, I don't want to, that guy used to be nice. That lady was used to be super sweet. And now they're horrible human beings. And I yeah. was like, what happened? And I'm like, it's not their fault. The, the right. job, the, system. the job changed them. And I'm like, I'm not gonna let that happen to me. Ooh. Right. Fast forward a few years. I'm inside the system. Guess what? I got a short fuse. I'm not getting enough sleep. I'm super unhealthy. I'm, eat, I'm stress eating all the time. I got sleep apnea. I, if, I never went to bed until three o'clock, four o'clock and get three or four hours of sleep. I was miserable. I was, the job was killing me. But on top of that, it was making me into a, a, a worse person. And so I had to get out so that I could rekindle that flame. You know what I mean? And, um, I don't know. I guess good that's for the you. answer. Good question. for you. And th thanks for doing that. So you can yeah. take care of yourself and others along yeah. the way. So yeah. Holden Direct Care, correct? Yeah. Holden Direct Care. Our website is holdendirectcare.com. Okay. And is that the best way to get a hold of you if anybody has any questions? Yeah. My website's my, my email address is on the website. If anybody has questions for me, it's just doc at holdendirectcare.com. Um, and where and, are you located? Uh, we've got a, where are you? We're in Holden, Kansas. It's 30 miles north of Topeka. It's in northeast Kansas. Um, we've got, uh, I mean, we've got a, a little bit of a social media presence. We're on Facebook and all that stuff too, but I'm not, to be honest with you, I, I don't love Facebook and, uh, it's a time suck. So I try my best to, to just stick to, you know, email and asynchronous communication with folks when I can and stuff like that. Our business is growing. I've got a partner, uh, Daniel Jones, who's fantastic. And, uh, my, my practice is full, but his is, his is still, uh, got space. He's growing fast though. Um, when you were talking about your keto, you basically, not necessarily keto, but you eat low carb. So, yeah, um, I, I think most of the time I'm in ketosis. I, I might go out yeah. from time to time, but I'm probably in ketosis most of the time. And, and pretty much one meal a day. One meal a day, except usually on Saturdays, I'll get up and make a big, it's keto, but I'll make a big breakfast for the family. I, I like to get up on Saturday and throw together a couple dozen eggs and sausage and all that stuff. But the rest, uh, Sunday through Friday, I usually only eat supper. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's what we call it in Kansas and supper. Most of the rest of the world calls it dinner. But for us, dinner is lunch. It's a farm thing. But anyways. Uh, yeah, yeah. My I, wife is familiar. My wife educates okay. me on it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I usually eat supper and I kind of a late eater usually, but that's again, usually because I work, I work pretty late often. So, yeah. well, all right. Well, thank you for sharing your story and thank you mm -hmm. for, um, you know, our goal this podcast is to educate and empower patients to take care of their own health. And I think yeah. you have definitely achieved that goal today. So thank you so much for doing that. Yeah. And hey, if, if people are ahead. interested in, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, if, please. If, if patients out there are watching this just because of the, the advertising about whatever, you know, doctor that lost a bunch of weight, whatever, I don't know, whatever you put on social media, if that's something people are interested in, um, man, I really recommend, uh, the diet doctor, uh, website dietdoctor.com and I don't I'm not affiliated with them I've never met Dr. Sure or any of the other people that that work there but it's been a great resource for my patients and for me too and um, they've got I don't know what all they have there but some of it's free some of it's premium or whatever but it's got great advice the problem is you don't know what you can believe online and especially now the keto is kind of a fad thing anyway yeah. people are selling crap oh just yep. take these pills take this oil yeah. dude nah no, don't believe any of that stuff. You, you never know what you find online, but I do actually, that's a very trustworthy uh, resource for people. They're like, how, how can I do this? And the doctor, one of the doctors who, uh, there's their website. One of the doctors who motivated me was Dr. Uh, Sivas. His, he's got a YouTube channel called the carb addiction doc, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. if, if you're familiar with that one. Um, 
but that those are some good resources for people who are like, how can I, you know, how can I yeah, do this? Absolutely. Um, I appreciate you sharing that. We'll, we'll put those yeah. in the show notes um, uh, on the edited version. So we can, uh, so people can get to those really easy. So sure. I appreciate you sharing that and I appreciate yeah. you being on the show. So Friday, tune in. Uh, Janet and I will be going to the Free Market Medical Association in Dallas, and I'm super excited and super excited to interview Dr. Keith Smith, who is the co-founder of the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, and talking about free market medicine. He's a pioneer in free market medicine. So we're super excited to interview him on Friday. So stay tuned. That will be at 8.30 uh, Pacific Standard Time. And um, stay tuned for Stay tuned for some updates too when we go to the show tomorrow. We actually travel there tomorrow. So I'm super excited about that. Stay tuned. So you as a consumer can learn how to take charge of your own healthcare. Dr. Lassie, thanks for being on our show. And thanks everyone for listening. Thanks everyone for listening and watching today. You've been listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 